say this every week when Carlos comes in. I, I think I know where I want to start, and I, I think I know what I want to talk about next. But then thereafter, there is there's probably 15 things I want to talk to you about today. Good afternoon yeah. to you. How are you, mate? Well, look, when you knock off, let's just go off across we'll go the road. Have a cup of yeah, and we'll just talk for a couple so, of hours. So the ridiculous thing is I want to talk to you about the have-nots to begin with because it was a week ago. The, the two nights after you and I caught up with the week, we saw extraordinary stuff happening in the FFA Cup. Uh, and then I want to talk to you about the haves, Paul Pogba, which is yeah. just extraordinary. So I know Daniel wants to talk about that as well. So let me get the local stuff, the very local stuff out of the way first. Green Gully yeah. and Redlands, back-to-back, knocking off A-League clubs in the FFA Cup. The FFA Cup could not have wished for a better endorsement of itself as a competition than to have that have that happen. To have, to have a suburban club, albeit... A great suburban club in Green Gully. I don't know too much about Redlands, but they're obviously uh, old, they're old. They're, apparently, they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah, yeah, one of the oldest clubs in in, yep. uh, in Brisbane. But let's talk about Green Gully, yep. uh, Western Suburbs club who did great things with little resources during the seventies and eighties. Just basically all throughout their former, the na- life. former national yeah, league, absolutely, yep. and a great great club, great club, a lot of pedigree there. Uh, now playing in NPL. Uh, a windblown stadium there in St Albans, <laughs> freezing cold. Uh, you know, I still rock up every, every now and again and watch the odd game there. For them, for me to wake up in the morning and all over the Today Show on Channel Nine, uh, players' names who uh, yeah, 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 guys yeah. who just dream about moments. Uh, Liam Boland scoring the, the winner goal. was extraordinary. Yeah, and then the, the, the likes of someone like a Roddy Vargas who's played in the A League and uh, it was stalwart for Melbourne victory. Now getting a bit of a uh, resurrection here with his with what's happening. Arthur Pappas, the young uh, uh, manager who has got so much talent, and he, he uh, might even get the Central Coast job. You never he's in the mix. For well, that. he's got to be close. He's got to yeah. be close because uh, he's a guy that uh, has really done the hard yards for a long, long time, and and and, and I know him personally. Uh, and he's a guy who's gone overseas and coached in in India. That's right, yeah. And uh, yeah. forged a career over there and did really well. And uh, and he's well known. He's been on the on the on the brink for a while. And a guy who never played at the highest level, but suddenly he's on the map, all over the papers, all over the you know free to wear TV, not SBS, not yeah. uh, not just SEN. Yeah. I'm talking all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, these guys deserve it. And I just that's what the that for me that's what the win of the FFA Cup's all about. The night after as. Remarkable as the Green Gully win was, and it was unbelievable. The, the winner was just out of this world. I'm going to say the night after was even more extraordinary to be. And I know they're in different phases of their of their seasons and preparations. So, but for Galekovic to make the blue that he made, <laughs> and then for Redlands to come back and win so late in the match in front of 880 people who just made the noise of 10 times that, <laughs> it was just honestly, it was. It was one of the best things I've seen for a long time, and that's easy to say because you yeah. get caught up in the moment. But I was watching the last forty-five minutes of that game; could not take my eyes off it. It was it was compelling in its simplicity and ordinariness, and the grimness of the venue yeah. and the lack of crowd noise. It was just magnificent to watch. Yeah, you just—I've I, watched that game also, and they were they were plucky Redlands. They were gutsy, but you never thought they were ever going to get that no, equaliser no. before the ninety minutes was up. No. When Eugene Galekovic made that error, an uncharacteristic. This is a guy who went to the world, the last World Cup. This guy is probably go down as probably the best goalkeeper in the A League since its inception. Mm-hmm. Made this horrific error right at the brink of the of the ninety minutes, right at the, you know the death. And I thought he's obviously wanting this to go 
longer because right. for him to make that error, it's yeah. got he's just got to be it's 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 so much theatre to it that it can't be real. It's almost like a movie. Yeah. So he's made the error, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Adelaide, you know, they're, they're good enough now to just go on, and they've been plucky Redlands and stuff. But then Redlands scores in extra time, yep. and, they, uh, and, they, and they don't lose the game. So it, uh, it just, it, that was just amazing. So, amazing. so we have that, you know, five days ago, and then today at about 11 o'clock our time, it's confirmed that Paul Pogba's coming back to Manchester United, having been away from the club for a couple of years, you'll know exactly how many, and for a world record transfer for a fee. And yeah. now he's now officially the most valuable or, or slash expensive player. Yeah, that's it. Not valuable, the most <laughs> yeah. expensive player yeah. on the planet. It's mind-numbing. Yeah, 115 mil, uh, million Euro. euros he's gone to Man U from. Uh, two and he uh, four years ago he was released by Man U because he had a bit of a not an altercation but a bit of uh, I think Fergie's uh, was was uh, was allowing him to go to Juventus because he was an apprentice wasn't getting regular game time and he felt he was letting his contract run down and he was showing the club no respect by signing another one so Fergie goes you're out ski like yep. everyone else who doesn't toe the line you're out so the kid they got something like one point three million pound. Um, some sort of compensation, really basic compensation. Oh four God. years later, now you think everyone can remember what happened four years later in their life. I mean, four years ago in their life, it's it's not that long ago. Four years later, the guy goes for a world record transfer fee, and guess who buys him? Manchester yeah. United, who released him in the first place. Uh, for me, it, it's it's a really interesting. This is really interesting for me because he's not the best player on the planet. He's twenty three years old, and he's not the finished product. Nowhere near it. He's shown enough in the big games I've watched him for him to not run games, not be the best player in the park. So this 115 million euro fee was more was not about just him as a football. For me, it was more about Manchester United making that statement to the world. We've got the best manager in the world, according to them, Jose Mourinho. We've just got Slatan Ibrahimovic paying paying him whatever they yep. because he went on the free. Who knows what he's getting? Yep. You know, no doubt more than two hundred twenty thousand pound a week he'd be getting. <laughs> and suddenly they've chopped it off with uh, you know paying this enormous crazy fee of one hundred fifteen million euro for Pogba. So for me, it, it, it's a statement about. These global brands making a statement. So not about a foot, not not necessarily about a football team procuring a good player. It's much bigger than that. Well, right? anyone who knows their football out there, and anyone who doesn't know their football but has a passing interest in it, would know that Pogba's nowhere near as good as Ronaldo. Yep. No, or as effective as Ronaldo. Nowhere near as effective as a Lionel Messi. Yep. And there's a big argument. He's nowhere near as effective as a Gareth Bale. And they're the three that would probably, well, Ronaldo and Messi would still go for, if they, they were on the market now, mid-contract, yeah. they'd still go for more than 115 mil. Who knows what they'd pay for them now. But anyone who argued that Pogba is better than those guys, uh, yes, he's, he's got potential to be the best player in the world, but are they paying 115 million euro for potential or for the finished product? Because if they're paying it for potential, suddenly this market's gone crazy. So Daniel and Andrew, hang on because I, I want to. I know you want to both talk about Pogba. A question I want to ask you: It was only four years ago, so I'm assuming, without knowing, that there would be members of the Manchester United board who were part of that decision to allow Alex Ferguson to have his way and release the guy for for chicken fee. Yeah. 
now they endure, they rubber stamp the payment to bring him back. So it's an all-up loss to Manchester United of probably 100 million euros, there or thereabouts. I don't know what yep. it's cost the club in terms of what they got and now what they've paid to get him back. Where's the accountability to the administration slash board for making that turnaround, that decision? Where? Well, the question I'd ask any maybe some you know big auditor at Ernest Young or Price Waterhouse. What is a $115 million loss to a big global corporation a multi-billion now? dollar company. Yeah. What, what, yep, what's yep. That? Is that? Is that just petty cash these days? What is that? Because I think that's how they look at it. To us, We look at it as a football club. To lose that much money over four years, someone should get sacked. Yeah, that's what I would right? have thought. Yep. But it's the, we're talking about, I think, a three-year TV deal, global TV deal for EPL around the world is like, I think the, the EPL get one point. Five three billion pounds or euros, one or the other, yeah. over three four years. That's I mean, really this is this is the sort of money that we're talking about, and big organisations like Man U and you know Man City are, are really really understanding that it's yes the football drives it all and it's an entertainment. We need to win. We need mm-hmm. to get all the best. But it's the statements you're making for share price out there for uh, you know further investment. Uh, for you know, uh, government in, uh, you know involvement, yeah, some yeah, sort yep, of integration yep, yes, in government. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, your friendlies overseas. I mean, really, if these managers had their way, there's no way Jose Mourinho would have been taking his new team to China for these ICC friendlies. In, in I think one was called off. He had a problem with another one, and they were just travelling all over. If the managers had their way, there's no way they were doing it. But it's all part of this global branding, this yeah, global yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, getting out there and the commercial benefits that come from it. Well, you see it in that sort of light. I can understand, but it still is it's mind-boggling. Daniel's on the road at 27-3 and wants to have a chat about Paul Pogba. G'day, mate. How you going, guys? Good, Good mate. Now, now Carlos, you've, um, you've taken the words out of my mouth when you know comparing him to Bale and Ronaldo and Messi. I mean, I'm a Juventus fan, so I'm glad we sold him, especially for that price. But... Um, He's, he's a good player, but he's not a great player. And like at the Euros, I felt that he didn't he didn't take that tournament from the scruff of the neck as you know people expected him to do. So for Man United to pay 117 million, whatever it was. Uh, it's pretty risky, I, I, I would have thought. But it's interesting, Daniel, that uh, Juventus, uh, even before they probably knew it was happening, but before you know anything was signed, they go off and buy uh, Higuain from uh, Napoli for ninety million. So uh, you know they, they they were on top of this really really early. Uh, to pay ninety million for Higuain, good play, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of argument that he chokes in important games. Uh, for, you know, do you pay? Do you pay that sort of money? I mean, at Real Madrid, he, he basically they they moved him on because he just wasn't producing in big games. Uh, for Argentina, he, you know, at different times he, he does the same thing. So there's a lot of question marks over Higuain. They paid ninety million for him. The Juventus <laughs> did. So it's a it's a it's a new world we're looking at, guys. It's got nothing. It's it's got a lot to do with the player. Don't get me wrong. They don't buy bad bad players for that sort of money but when you get the story that uh, Chelsea might be buying uh, Romelu Lukaku good young player Belgium at Everton you know a good honest centre forward in the English Premier League and they're prepared to pay 75 million pounds for Lukaku right now uh, then you, we, we, we know it's more than just what the players so it's a statement it's, it's a statement of how yeah, big we are yeah we're big Andrew's in thanks you called Daniel Andrew's in height good afternoon mate Good afternoon, guys. Hey, Carlos, I'm loving these signings at Man United. We're getting our swagger, swagger back. 
But what I want to know is, heaven forbid, we don't finish top four. What happens to these players? Because they're not going to hang around for another season to play in Premier League. Absolutely, Andrew. And the other thing was, I mean, I heard Wenger Ving has sort of come out. He's a bit shell shocked at the moment because he's not spending anything. And I think he's probably the last guy who refuses to spend these ridiculous amounts of money. But he's turned around and said he loves Ibrahimovic. He had a like almost a perfect season last year in the in the French uh, in the French league with Paris Saint Germain. But his age doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to be playing great football every week in the English Premier League. So there's no guarantee at all. I mean, there's no guarantee that Jose Mourinho is going to have a winning team here. Pep Guardiola has been pretty quiet, uh, but he's he's got a decent squad to work with. And apparently he's very, very happy with the way they're sort of coming together. So, um, you know, there's Chelsea who are going to be knocking down the door with Antonio Conte. He's a good manager. Guardiola, great manager. Um, you know, we've got uh, Arsene Wenger. I mean, Arsenal finished second last year. So, you know, they're, they're still going to be there or thereabouts. Tottenham, I mean, they were so disappointing towards the end, but they were very, very good just before that. So there's so many teams. There's one. You just haven't mentioned one at the moment. <laughs> there's one you haven't mentioned yet. Uh, listen. You haven't mentioned him yet. Yeah, you know, uh, they sure. beat Barcelona 4-0 the other. Yeah. I'm not sure you're aware of that I've fact. got to introduce you to Warren Diego, Andy, <laughs> because this guy keeps on hammering. He rang me the other day about the 4-0 win over Barcelona. Why haven't you mentioned that so far? Because it's a toy game. Right, it's a true. toy game at Wembley, it's right? True. And if you watch all the goals, they're all counter-attack mistakes by Barcelona, who are just warming up yeah, for the Yeah, but this is one thing I've noticed about And you've watched a fair, f- more, fair few more games than I have. But I would love a stat done on, on in football of how many goals are scored from broken play. Not not beautifully scripted, crafted, pass, 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 bang, oh, just glory. How many goals are scored? And this this applies in all, in all football codes. Mm-hmm. But how many goals are scored from broken play? Your ability to, when you turn it over, bang, yeah. go. That, they, that's, that's a drill. That, they're drilled, the players, on this, uh, on this transition from yep, yep. defence to attack all yep. the time. And... That's why they press high. I mean, they're doing it in the AFL football. Of course, of course, But they've yeah. been doing that. In, I mean, AC Milan did it in the in the eighties and nineties uh, with the great Dutch trio with Van Basten and uh, Hullet and all these great play Rijkaard and these sort of guys uh, under Arrigo Saki at the time. This great AC Milan side. They, for me, they were the first side that I saw press teams in their own half mm. and create the turnovers because all the data was telling us if you're turning over. Uh, the uh, opposition uh, possession in your own half, there's a greater chance of you scoring a goal, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, of course doesn't? it does. Of course and it does. And a lot of teams do that now. I mean, Leicester press all over the park, yeah. but they've got the engines to be able to do it for 90 minutes. And in the English Premier League too, there's not too much culture around it either. So you're absolutely right. And Jurgen Klopp demands that from his team, and that's what won them the game against Barcelona. And it could get them very, very far in the English Premier League this year. The one advantage that clubs like Leicester last year and Liverpool this year had over a couple of those that they hope to be competing with is they don't have as expansive a schedule. I know Liverpool's playing in Europa, but they're not not being asked to stretch the list as far as some of these other super clubs are. And at the end of the day, that sort of 
that's in a bit of an advantage that you've got to yeah. use against them, isn't it? And the, the, one of the arguments people are saying, what's going to happen to Leicester this year? One of the problems they've got is they've, they've got they've got Champions League to worry mm. about. I know, that's right. This is a club that hasn't got any pedigree in Champions League at all. In fact, they'd be lucky to stay in any of the cups after the first couple of rounds. So this is a whole new world for them. Ranieri's going to help, but the players have to understand this too. So they were pretty good on the weekend against uh, Man yeah, U, though. Were. I thought they were pretty Every competitive. Yeah. So, and just before we get on to a break... Ibrahim scores in that game. So if you're a Manchester United supporter, you'd be getting... I mean, you, naturally, you have to be excited about yeah. the prospects. And Leicester were com- really competitive yeah. in that game. Vardy scored, which is great. So um, it, it really depends on what's going to happen to Mares too. I think uh, they've lost Kante. Obviously, he's gone over to Chelsea. But yeah. uh, Mares is an interesting one. He's had his head turned a few, uh, probably by Arsenal and a few others. Uh, and uh, he's just he's just not playing his best football at the moment. So let's see what happens. Andrew, I've got a $50 uh, Black Leopard Skincare uh, gift card for you. BlackLeopardSkincare.com.au and a $50 gift voucher. Chair to size menswear as well. Give us a call back and we'll get your details. It's 20 to 3 already. Cameron will get to on the other side of the break. What are you pointing at? Uh, Daniel uh, saying Carlos uh, Barcelona had a full squad and Liverpool yeah, didn't. Oh, uh, I, I look, think you're being Liverpool. a bit disrespectful. It was a toy game. Toy I, game I understand that, but <laughs> I think you're just being a little disrespectful. I'll tell you why I know what league mains play in uh, Matt and Bray- Bayswater because Carlos will tell me. And they beat Liverpool 4-0 in the game after, apparently. <laughs> but, but I don't care about that. They beat Barcelona 4-0, and that's what I'm taking to the bank. Um, By the way, a full house at Wembley with that friendly. This, this is what we're talking about. These toy games are now making a lot of money for clubs and, uh, yeah. and you know getting a lot of exposure out there for sponsors. Hey, um, Bruno Fornarell, it's a bit yeah. closer to home, and I want to go back overseas to Rio after, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Closer to home, Fornaroli. Did that surprise you? The deal that he st- eventually struck with City. Uh, no, I knew that. Well, there's a lot of argy bargy. You know, according to David Davidovic in the in the Herald Sun, there was a lot of tense moments through the whole negotiation. It's been going a long time, and apparently, just you know, at the end of the season, just left, went home, you know, to Uruguay and had a holiday, or went overseas to have a holiday. So you worry about when they just go and do that because suddenly they're in other people's hands yeah, and you yeah, don't know. Yeah. And there were talks about, you know, even his old club, Sampdoria, were looking at maybe getting him back and a few other things, but. Again, you don't. They're all stories. You don't know whether that's all part of the leverage in the negotiations or not. Um, it ultimately, on you know, City would have been really foolish not to somehow make this happen, and they've made it happen. So well done to them. Three years on as a marquee is an interesting one. Um, you know, maybe that's a way of uh, placating his you know enormous wage demands and spreading it over three years yeah, rather than yeah, getting yeah. the one year. So look, whatever whatever happened. Well done. Well done to Melbourne City because I think they really needed to at least have another year with him because yep. uh, he can still go mid-contract, go off somewhere else, mutual consent and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he can back up again given that he didn't have a year like this prior to when he came to City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, he goes this year. What I find is really going to be interesting is when they do sign Timmy Cale, I'm oh, getting man. tired. We're, we're pretty tired it about it. pretty soon. Yeah, but it's got to, they'll announce it's it soon. Yeah, yeah. When they do sign him, it's a different set of problems for John Van Skip because suddenly you've got two pointy end prongs who love the pointy yeah, end work, yeah, yeah, yeah. and suddenly there's two of them in the same team. Mm. And if you bring, if and there's talk about maybe dropping, you know, Fornaroli into a, in, into the hole, you know, behind behind Kale, but you know, you got the 25 goals out of him last year by being the the lone ranger up front. You know, taking on two or three defenders, you know, 
bringing other players into the game, being the target man up front, scoring goals in the penalty box, that sort of work is just the sort of thrilling stuff he was coming up with. When you've got Timmy Cale, who, for me, his midfield days are long gone. Yep. He has to play at the pointy end. Is he, will it work with the two-striker system? You know, two up front, will it work? Tall, short, short mate, who knows, it might work. It's, I, I don't remember the last time it really worked really well in the A-League. Uh, so it's a, it's a different set of problems. And, of course, there's some egos there too. So um, I'm really curious to see how it works. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. I'll tell you what, it'll be exciting. If it does, if it does click and they enjoy mm. each other's company and they work off one another way, I'm going to mention a Liverpool. Yes. The way for a little while there's Sturridge and Suarez. I'm thinking John Toshak and oh, Kevin Keegan. Keegan. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. If, if they can get that happening, you know, that yeah. sort of oh, oh, that's exciting. thing of beauty if that happens. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, but... I don't rem- I don't remember a-, a combination like that in the A League that's been super yeah. super successful. Of course, you got the Danny Allsop and Archie Thompson, but, but they were different. They, they, was, yeah. they were getting a lot of goals on the break and stuff. But when you talk about two, you know, high up strikers, yep. um, you know, the the mobile Fornaroli, the the great aerialist that Timmy Cale is, the guy who can bring people into the game. Uh, but it, it's not something that. City or Hart have done it under under Van Skip, so yep. it'll be interesting to see how it works. It'll be there'll be a lot of people turning up to watch mm. it happen. You know the, the crowds of eight, nine, ten thousand that yes. they've become accustomed to. I think we can get yeah. ready for that to be at least doubled. You would have thought. The other exciting thing about City is that they've still got a marquee spot available. One more marquee spot available. Are Robert you hearing? Co- are they going to? Well, fill I, I'm just excited, City. Excited. I mean, you've done. Well, obviously, now we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're assuming that Timmy's signing, but you know, it, there's so much noise around it that you've got to accept it's going to happen. Uh, you know, please excite us. It's a free hit, really, isn't yeah, it? They've done enough uh, now. Yeah, so, yeah. Scott, oh, God, love him. Scott's in Craigie, man. Oh, Tiffany doesn't <laughs> want to have a chat about Aaron Moy. Hello, Scotty. No, no, not this week, mate. We'll give it a rest for a while. He's doing great over there. Um, now, now, look, Carlos, I've had a talk to Andy about this, mate. We're going to give you a chance. Usually, you used to get an hour plus cut, but you cut back to 35 minutes because they've got the sports break at the start. If you disrespect our club again, you're going to be cut down to a five minute phone call, mate. And, um, Thanks um, very much there. there you go. Clarify that, Scotty. He's a very fiery yeah. man, Scotty. Don't take him on. Hey, we were joking with Craig, uh, uh, with Scotty from Craigie Burn before the break about Aaron Moy because he mm. generally, generally rings up to pot him. <laughs> no one who didn't want to pot him at the moment because we was having a chat about him during the break. Yeah. Apparently, he's made some very positive st- sort of steps early in his English career. Well, the second coming of his English career. Yeah, he actually obviously was signed by Manchester City, a big money deal, you know, obviously really well paid and stuff. It was at the end of his contract here at at City. Uh, Man City picked him up and loaned him directly to Huddersfield in the championship. Now you're thinking, oh, Huddersfield, who were they? Well, Huddersfield actually spent up pretty big. Got a German coach. He was assistant coach under uh, Jurgen Klopp at yep. Dortmund. So yep. the guy's uh, done pretty well. Uh, Jason Davidson's also there. Uh, and from the minute he walked in the door, uh, just rave reviews. Uh, all the friendlies he played, the fans were raving about him. Uh, and the first game of the weekend, they played Brentford. I think they, they won 2-1, best man on the park. So mm-hmm. man on man of the match there. So this guy's just, he's just, you put him in any, any sort of environment, he just steps up. You just, the uh, better the players yeah. you surround him with, the better he plays. Absolutely. 
well, let's hope that it's a trajectory that hasn't reached its zenith at this point. I, I, let's hope he can continue to find, uh, as another challenge gets put in front of him, that he keeps meeting it. Have you been watching much of the football at the Olympic Games thus far? Only the, only the girls so far, because yeah. I, I just, uh, with Australia not playing, and they're playing all different times, I decided to get up for the girls and, and nothing more. It's but been uh, a scary start by the Matildas. Like, it hasn't yeah. necessarily gone, well, it certainly hasn't gone according to plan at this stage. What was disappointing? Look, you can understand, you know, maybe one game when they were a bit shaky. They went 2-0 down to, they lost 2-0 to, to Canada in that first game. Against the Germans, they actually had a lot more chances than the Germans yeah. to win that game. And these days, you know, you know, women's football's come a long way, but they've fought for a pay rise. They want to be treated more professionally, all this sort of stuff. They have high expectations of themselves. And they don't put away the Germans. And Germans are number two in the world. In that game, they, if they're not really disappointed about the fact that they drew that game at the death, I think that uh, they, you know, they don't have that professional uh, you know, point of view that they should have. Mm. Um, but, you know, look, they've got, a, they've got Zimbabwe now. Uh, I think that's overnight. They've got Zimbabwe. They've been almost the whipping, the whipping boys or the whipping girls of the, of the competition mm. so far. So they just need a really, really healthy win there. And hopefully with four points, they will uh, qualify for the next stage as uh, one of the best two-placed uh, or third-placed teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, does, where does Olympic football sit now in the scheme of things? How, how, I mean, how big a deal is it? The reason yeah. I ask you that is Brazil, I've seen a bit of both of their first two games. They haven't registered yep. a win yet. Neymar's been scuffing shots, falling over him himself. He's hardly been you know, the, the dynamic world force that we know he can be. Yep. They've been booed off the park uh, in both games at half time, and they've been jeered at full time in both of their games. Packed houses, like not yep. a seat in the stadium left unattended. It's obviously a huge deal for them being the host nation. Yep. Where does it sit, though, in the scheme of things? Well, for Brazil, they've never won it. They've never won a gold medal at the Olympics, which is ridiculous given that they've won everything else mm. uh, multiple times. So uh, for them, this is the holy grail almost. Uh, Neymar didn't play the Copa America, America you know, because they were getting him ready for this. Uh, it's an under-23 competition. If you look at it more broadly, it's an under-23 competition with, I think, you know, two or three overage players. Yep. So it's never going to be something that's going to capture everyone's imagination. Even though when it was here for the Sydney Olympics, I got along to some games and all fantastic oh, games. Absolutely, uh, these young guys running around uh, when they're when they're fair dinkum was it was really great. But for me, it doesn't really register that much, and I don't think it registers that much uh, across world football because what it does is actually take players away from a really important time of their pre-season with clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all these players that are playing over there suddenly, um, you know, they can't be training with their clubs, and it's on the eve of. A lot of the league's starting. Well, speaking of which, Olympics clash with the start of the Premier League. I don't know what other major European leagues are kicking off this weekend, if any, but yep. is that a blue? Is that a blue on the English Premier League's, the FA's behalf to schedule the start of their season in the middle of the Olympic Games? Yeah, I think the analogy I gave you early on, it's like the AFL worrying about the A-League season starting during their really? finals. They're not going to care. No. They're not going to care at all. Football is the biggest sport in the world. They know it. Uh, not only in people watching, but the amount of money, TV rights, uh, all this other stuff is just, you know, that, I mean, the clubs would be a little bit upset about some of the players who have gone to play for yeah, their yeah, countries, yeah, but yeah, that's yep, about yep. it. Yep. Uh, it and I, I'm not even quite sure about the, I mean, it's just a, a you know, usually have FIFA dates when you have to release players. I think it's a really short time too that you can release your players for. So clubs really get it all their own way. The Olympic football is almost 
obsolete for me. Do you really? Uh, think not so? the women's. Yeah, yeah, that's yep, still yep, really yep. important. But the men's stuff. I mean, you know, I've said before, I'll watch any football, but it's almost obsolete with the fact that it's taking players away. Clubs are upset. It's an under twenty three competition. You know, no one raves about it. No one's really talking about it. The only interesting point is, can Brazil win it yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first time? Well, they've obviously rolled the dice and they're having a crack. Yeah. Um, as I said, there, there's probably <laughs> one, two, three. There's seven things we didn't get to today. We'll see how many of those are still relevant next week. Thanks for Good coming in. Carlos Alberto, Diego, talking the world game.